and people of the United States to form a more perfect union, secure the blessings of liberty, reestablish the meaning of the Constitution. friends and welcome to We The People Show. This is your host Tiger and welcome back to another episode. Hello Bradley, how are you doing? Uh, hi, it's, uh, it's good to be back. Cool, so today we're going to talk about um, American populism. Now when people think of the term populism, they would think of for the people, but in terms of like in American sense, uh, usually what comes comes up into mind will be amongst the those who align with the Republican Party, specifically the the Trumpian wing. And by Trumpian, I don't mean Trump's like cold of personality, but more specifically his his ideas for future elections and such. Now, Bradley, what first comes into mind when populism is brought up? Politician that uh, at least appears to be for the people. Right, like they'll usually uh, propose policies that are against like the establishment, the established norm, whether it's from the right or the left. Uh, and recently, we've been seeing a surge of populism, both from the right and the left. Correct. So, for the right, uh, I'd say the leader of the populist movement would, the unofficial leader would probably be Donald Trump, and then for the left, it'd be Bernie Sanders. And while these two uh, politicians clearly do have different uh, political views on certain uh, issues on how to solve those issues. Uh, They do have some similarities, believe it or not, like, uh, for example, on trade. Perhaps uh, both of their views would be more uh, skeptical on free trade and thinking about how to renegotiate those deals to help the working class Americans. Um, And another thing is uh, being uh, against um, endless wars and wanting to kind of de-escalate from being the world police um, and being less uh, actively involved militarily. And you can see those similarities between uh, Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders. And I could see like other politicians, first of all, amongst the close to left side of the aisle would be Tulsi Gabbard. She campaigned during the 2020 race would be uh, on, the, on the issue of ending uh, unnecessary wars abroad. But that is just one topic in terms of bringing troops home. And, but it was, it was unknown of what her views are on other issues. And on the right, you do see populists besides Donald Trump will be Governor DeSantis in Florida and Governor Nayom of South Dakota. Mm-hmm. So basically, in general, it is taking on the establishment, like you said, Bradley, and, and both the right and the left are emerging those movements as populist movements but for the left they call themselves the progressives taking on the democrats establishment and the future of populism i wouldn't say is necessary like i think it's not necessarily like con- considering on whether trump will run for president in 24 or bernie sanders again or a progressive like bernie sanders for the democrat primary but I would say it is here to stay. What do you think, Bradley, like specifically? About what? About populism, like stance right now and for the future of American uh, political momentum. I think it's going to continue to grow. 
2016 was just the beginning, um, and I think you're going to see, uh, well, you already are seeing more and more um, populist candidates, uh, right-wing populists and left-wing populists. It's kind of funny, though, that the left-wing populists kind of get their own unique name, the progressives, while the, the right-wing populists don't really have one. <laughs> right. I, I guess the closest one is, like, pro-Trump candidates, but... More, you know, more, again, that, that kind more, of puts too like much pers personality, personality on ideology. Like, and more like America First type candidates. Yeah, I, I guess America First kind of, yeah, would be the closest thing, but I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I think you're going to see more of those uh, kind of candidates. Like, you're already seeing uh, establishment Democrats get primaried by uh, new squad members like AOC <laughs> and right. Ilhan Omar and uh, Cory Bush. Uh, and then, you know, you're seeing more... Uh, America first, right-wing populist candidates, primary establishment Republican candidates, and uh, those kind of candidates will be more for the people, in my opinion, or uh, at least seem like they're more for the people. Uh, just because someone says that they are more populist or America first, don't necessarily believe, you know, um, that they are actually for that. Look at how they do in office, or, you know, even look at their history, and, uh, and as a warning, um, just because someone actually can be classified as America first or progressive, also look at their behavior and make sure that they don't have a, a dirty record, you know, because there are plenty of other candidates that can have those same policies without having bad optics, like uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example. Yeah, she may be more of a populist Republican, which can be a good thing policy-wise, but at the same time, she kind of has a nasty question, history. Has a questionable, like, um, views on certain things. Yeah, like, you don't want candidates to be comparing uh, mask mandates to the Holocaust, or you don't want, um, you don't want candidates uh, just saying really dumb stuff like that. Uh, like what Mar uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene did. And uh, there are better candidates out there. Or you also don't want to a uh, candidate with uh, uh, who could be a potential pedophile, like uh, Matt Gates. Um, I'm I'm not saying he for sure is guilty, but uh, it doesn't look good for him since his uh, I think it was like his former chief of staff or someone who worked for him um, pleaded guilty and was going to cooperate with the feds, and he was like the only congressman to vote against the uh, bill to crack down on sex trafficking from couple of years ago i think if i'm not mistaken i don't remember the name of that bill but uh look it up well the main point is just uh, just because someone says they're gonna do something doesn't mean they're actually going to do it as for example like president trump when he was elected in 16 he surprised people of the establishment on both the gop and the democrats that he once sworn into office he actually did what he promised what he campaigned on to do and there's a reason why his slogan for the 2020 election at first was promises made promises or promises kept or promises something related to promises and and he was honestly he started his 2020 campaign out great but as the 2020 election grew closer he became more I guess toxic you would say in his rhetoric and that's why he got lost 2020 lost re-election 
Well, he's always kind of been that way with Twitter and such, but... That's I, true. It kind of developed over time. Yeah, it did end up biting him in the ass when it came to suburban voters and uh, white college-educated voters in the in the country. Yeah. But he did game with Hispanics and lots of minorities and working-class people, so, you know, that's the one positive. Yes, and speaking with... Uh... Speaking regarding speaking of the Latino vote, for example, uh, you see Democrats freaking out right now with the McAllen mayor race because for the first time they elected a Republican mayor mm-hmm. when over the years has always been a Democrat mayor. That's right, he won. Yeah, I, I forgot what his name was, but I think his last name was Valadeos. I, I believe yeah, you're right. You're correct. Yeah, but, yeah. We'll, we'll call him Mr. Valadeos. Mr. Valadeos. Yeah, or now Mayor Elect Valadeos. Yes, yeah. he'll be taking office next month. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the weird thing is, like, not not only was he a conservative, but he was the former chairman of the Hidalgo County Republicans. So, you know, very much a, a party open party man, open Republican. <laughs> very much. <laughs> yeah, like, can't get more open Republican than that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and even though the race was technically nonpartisan, he's Republican. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And you usually you usually see like on um, just the city level, uh, mayor elections are usually nonpartisan because for the past few elections, whether it be twenty twenty or twenty eighteen midterms, when I voted, I noticed there's always a mayor race. And currently here in San Marcos, Texas, the mayor is Jane Houston, and I don't see a D or a R next to her name. But either way, I think she doesn't done a fair job for San Marcos. Do you, do you know if by any chance what she aligns with the most, or is this really hard to tell? Really hard to tell, honestly, because she's been unclear about her like her position on issues. Or maybe I have to either have to look into that more, or I have to be a long-term San Marcos resident to, resident to really know. Yeah. So, well, either way, um, I voted to re-elect her. Yeah, same. She seems to have done a good job. And anyway, back on topic, uh, Bradley, um, if Donald Trump is not going to run, and of course there's a slim chance that Bernie is going to run for the left, he even said it himself, um, do you think uh, there will be uh, full-on populist battles in the future in terms of elections, like both the right and the left nominating people to run against each other? Like say, for example, oh, I don't know, Ron, this is unrealistic here. Disclaimer: mm-hmm. uh, Ron DeSantis in twenty twenty four versus I don't know AOC, like the two populist type running. Because I don't think Kamala Harris is a populist. She's more Mm-mm. establishment. She's very much establishment. And the the things that she has said about you know health, uh, fr- free Medicare for all, um, and her being like very much anti AR fifteen, uh, would probably want to ban those, um being pro-legal immigration and stuff she still uh she still is in terms of action establishmentarian yes and don't get me wrong i still wouldn't want her as president or such but you know you know she's kind of a fake person and anyway uh what do you think of it like desantis versus aoc type scenario oh aoc type uh i thought you're talking about aoc yourself uh, that could be too i'm talking about like populist of both sides which i wonder if she'd be old enough to run in 2024 she actually would 35 right on the 
Oh, but, she would be. Yeah, right on time. <laughs> yeah. 2024. Before the election. Yeah. Um. I feel like for 2024, it's either going to, for Democrats, it's either going to be Joe Biden again, which probably won't happen, and uh, Kamala, or Kamala Harris as vice president. Uh, just to um, reword my question, I'm talking about like, what would you think would turn out between just populists themselves running like DeSantis, right-wing populist versus AOC type left-wing populist. Oh, um, because Americans would have like two types of populism to choose. Oh, how would the election go? Yeah. If if okay, so no Joe Biden, no Kamala Harris. It would either be a, like a AOC aligned candidate or Bernie Sanders aligned candidate. Right versus a Ron DeSantis, DeSantis type. So um, I think how it would go down is that the the left wing, um, the progressive candidate would have to be very careful after he or she wins the nomination on terms of rhetoric because they uh, they got to win over independent voters and even a lot of most independents are center right. So if they go too far left on social issues, like if they're openly all like defund the police or pro Green New Deal, they're they're not going to win the general election. So. They'll have to be very careful on how they word it. Um, maybe they'll even have to lie a little bit and say like, "Oh, they'll be a moderate." And then when the act- when they do the actual policy, they'll be very left wing. Mm. So oh, that's good to know. Um, no matter. So I think by then, like, uh, in that case, Ron DeSantis will win the election because <laughs> you know he's charismatic, and the Democrat candidate will be uncharismatic. Um, just because of the political makeup of America. Now, I think the progressive candidate would see higher enthusiasm on college campuses. Yes, and, they would uh, definitely secure the young youth, voters. The youth votes, yes. Yeah, so those would be the one demographics where it would really increase. And other than that, uh, maybe they could pick off some working class voters, but even then, the working class voters are very socially conservative. They're just fiscally center right, center left. That's a very um, detailed description you got there. So thanks, Brad. Sure and thing. Regarding my perspective, I think it would not only be that, but also not only rhetoric and policy, of course, those matters, but what also matters in my perspective would be both sides uh, would have to be careful in terms of like the, the type of people they nominate. Like someone with Rob DeSantis would be great. But for the progressives, they have to be more careful. Well, both sides have to be careful, like, regarding their candidates, their nominee for president in terms of, like, their background, their position on issues, and voting record, of course, if they're an elected official. Yeah. So all these factors matter besides, you know, rhetoric, but also candidate background and candidate personality, etc. And uh, you see... The social, the 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 political, um, the ma- the making of Americans, in terms of like political views, of course there are well not of course but there are apparently more registered uh, Democrats party membership wise than Republicans, but that alone does not determine how we vote in federal elections every four years. What does really matters is the the independent voters winning over them the most. I've said it before in previous episode, and I'll say it again, that uh, every election, what really gets a candidate elected into office 
say, Barack Obama winning in 08 or Donald Trump in 2016. It really depends on the independent voters that they won over. Yeah. And I, I would see that populism is starting to take effect, replacing the, the establishment narrative of both sides here, both parties. Yeah. And that's my take on populism for the future. Yeah, I think populism is going to flourish as better, either in rural areas, which mainly would be uh, like right-wing populist America first, and uh, I think the urban like city areas would be where progressives prosper for the left and yeah. then the suburban voters are probably going to be more establishmentarian but they're they're centrist people so it kind of makes sense Ge- generally centrist you know not not to paint all sub- suburbanites as centrist voters but generally they they are kind of status quo um to a certain extent they're mm-hmm. not going to go for as extreme politics as the, the rural people and the urban people yeah that's a new good point you brought up bradley and uh I never thought of it that way, like when in terms of types of voters and where they live, like suburbs or urban areas, and that makes uh, things a lot more interesting, of course. And we should see that starting twenty twenty four. Yeah. <clears throat> and as regards to outside of, let's say, presidential election, um, what would you say about uh, twenty twenty two midterms? Like, oh yeah, of course, the type of candidates being elected to Congress, Senate, and House. Like, um, uh, how how's the momentum of them in terms of like midterms uh, right now? Like of the candidates? Yeah, candidates for Congress or Senate. Hmm. Well, I think a vast majority of them will be incumbents, of course. But um, uh, I th- I think you will see more uh, populists get elected for both progressives and America First candidates, either through primaries or. Uh, open seats mm. you're gonna see more of them get elected so basically based on what you're saying and i would i would agree and it's evidence that uh, it, it's starting right now in which people are making their announcement to run for public office and it's a bit unclear this doubts okay that's just federally speaking but well what i'm saying is what is unclear right now is the state levels because not only you have 2022 federal elections midterms and all but also um state politics state elections Mm. because you see um this texas state legislature i used to um, intern for a state senator and her term will be up in 2023 so coming up quick so she has to quickly or file for a re-election if she wants to stay in her seat keep her seat and uh her election will be coming up quick so is in the texas house um a house district that you and i both know um mrs weiner versus uh, mrs isaac apparently again yeah and uh, so basically you see populism or the idea of populism also could could be seen evident in state level politics too not just federal politics so Basically, uh, it's unclear. This this is just Texas we're talking about. We don't know about the forty nine other states what their like state situation is. Yeah. So keep in mind that you have that level as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're right. It definitely does depend on the state and of course the districts. 
uh, I guess to kind of make it more simple, I'll, I'll focus more on the states themselves as a whole. So uh, I can think of a few establishmentarian states and then a few populist states. So mm -hmm. I'd, I'd say uh, states like uh, probably like deep south states like Alabama, Mississippi, and Tennessee uh, are pretty um, po uh, populist, more America first, right wing populist. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I'd say uh, states like Georgia, Arizona are a little more establishmentarian or uh, center right. Saying um, Arizona, Georgia? Yeah, in terms uh, of like ideologies. Okay, ideologies. Yeah. Because that explains like our um, common YouTube channel guy, Red Eagle Politics. And he made those videos. I haven't seen any of them, but you probably have. He made those uh, videos that's that's titled State tier list or yeah something like ideologies that. yeah that, that, i should check those out but that, that's that, probably explain yeah. what it is yeah it was pretty accurate of him to have a new hampshire and alaska's libertarian states i could definitely oh, really? see that <laughs> definitely the kind of states where the people would be all like government get off my lawn right now <laughs> does he have like a new not new i guess new jersey's not really new england as kind of libertarian or not really. No, 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 not at all. New Jersey, I'd say, is a, a center-left establishment. Oh. Very establishmentarian. And New Virginia is center-left establishmentarian, too. Because I'm, like, I'm kind of asking that in, in, in anticipation of my, uh, I guess, just libertarian friend living there would fall under. That's just me, my curiosity. Yeah. New, uh, New Jersey isn't going to go... Uh, libertarian anytime soon not, and uh, no, not libertarian not like conservative obviously it's a, it's a heavy blue state yeah the, be the best you're gonna get is a s establishmentarian very centrist uh, s very center-right Republican <laughs> <laughs> like kind of like a Larry Hogan or um, Charlie Baker from Maryland and Massachusetts but that's like, about it yeah it's it's a it's great news to hear, well, personally for me, and I guess you, to hear that the Republican nominee for uh, the governorship in New Jersey, but I got a feeling that Phil Murphy is going to win again. Yeah, I think Phil Murphy will win too, unfortunately, but the real question is by how much. Right. Because if he wins by single digits, it's a good indicator that Republican energy is up. He very well, I, I think worst case for Phil Murphy is he loses by, I mean, he wins by re-election by five points. Because I think in 2017, he won by, like, do you remember how much it was? Like, 15, 18 points? I haven't looked at that yet, but, but I guess based on that point, um, you would be right that the momentum for the Republicans will be up if he wins narrowly. Yeah, I, I think uh, Phil Murphy will win by, uh, my realistic take is he'll win re-election by, like, uh, seven points. By single seven. digits, a likely margin. That's your, that's your prediction there, I guess. Yeah, and then Virginia is going to be kind of interesting. So, Ralph Northam won by nine points in 2017, but I think with Republican enthusiasm, Terry McAuffle just won the Democrat primary for governorship. Yeah, he was the former for, governor. Right, and uh, when he was first elected in 2013, barred from re-election for a second consecutive term under the Virginia state constitution. So now, but he's allowed to run in 2021 since it's not consecutive. Um, but anyway, I think he'll, Terry McGuffin will win, unfortunately. <laughs> but I think, again, it comes down to by how much. And I think he will win by five points.
high points. Yeah, so I think we're going to see more Republican enthusiasm in Virginia, a little more than New Jersey. Mm. So anyway, moving on back to the topic regarding like state tier ideology, you said southern states and deep south deep south Louisiana Mississippi Alabama Tennessee and I guess the neocon states Georgia and Arizona yeah I don't know what Texas is because like they seem to be I was about to say yeah. like Texas is uncertain I'd say it's in between alright it's in between the neocon and populist yeah because like sometimes like they'll they'll have like populist um, like candidates kind of like Ted Cruz and they were willing to like Donald Trump and then kind of more uh, establishmentarian, John Cornyn and Greg Abbott. But, and when I say establishmentarian, I don't mean it in like a negative way. They just kind of, I just mean like they would vote like how, a, you know, like your average Republican or average Democrat would vote. And, uh, you know, I, I like Greg Abbott and John Cornyn, uh, as I also like uh, Ted Cruz and Donald Trump overall. <laughs> But they're they're just good for their own things, you know. That right. their that skill makes sense. sets. That yeah. Much. So Texas is mixed for that. Um, yeah, we will be fifty fifty. Yeah. Because I, I I would say uh, it's kind of a joke here that it could be represented both ways by the the populist Ted Cruz senator and the the establishment John Cornyn. Yeah. <laughs> <the> Neocon. <laughs> yeah, and I don't mean it in a negative way. It's yeah, just again, that's just how they vote. Yeah. And both of them are going to vote. They're going to agree with me like 80% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess for the, the like, uh, for examples, for the left-leaning states, uh, as I said, New Jersey and Virginia would be establishmentarian uh, mm-hmm. left, center-left. Um, I'd say, like, progressive, Bernie Krat, um, types. left-wing populist states would probably be Vermont. Uh, Hawaii. No surprise, Vermont. Yeah. Um, Oregon and Washington State. <laughs> yeah, you, you, as you can tell, mostly like coastal areas. Yes. <laughs> oh, in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Recently. So you say Washington State and Oregon. What about California? Is it also like their Texas in a way? It's kind of hard to tell. Like I, Again, I think it's kind of in between, too. In between, too. Yeah, because like you yeah, have like progressive like Ro Cajon and then Gavin Newsom would probably be more of an establishmentarian. Democrat. Yes. So, even though like you know, Rokahan uh, represents a district, and then Newsom represents the whole state, but mm-hmm. you know, even in like the deep urban districts, there's establishment Dems in California. So, again, it's I think it's kind of like the reverse with Texas. It's the left wing version of the in between establishment and populist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Another big big blue state, uh, New York. What about New York? Oh, I'd say New York. Um, Cause you have a uh, Cuomo, who right. it's establishment, but they're also progressive AOC you, types. You have AOC, which is kind of weird. The progressive movement movements and uh, Jamal, I think, is his name. Jamal, I heard of him from New York. Uh, uh, I I'd still see it as more establishment dim though. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's the East Coast that seems to be more establishment. The left, the <laughs> my bad, uh, the and Pacific the Coast that's more. Progressive, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I guess for more establishment Democrat states, Illinois, mm. uh, also, yeah, yeah, that, that that pretty much covers it, unless you count Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota's establishment, yeah, of course, with some exceptions like Ohana Omar, yeah, and uh, 
Again, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, of course, part of the squad, the progressives you see in Michigan, like um, Rashida Tlaib. Yeah. Well, Michigan is a very swing state. Swing um, state, like, in terms of, like, I guess, um, yeah. populace of both sides. But right now, it's controlled by the left, like, with Whitmer in the governorship. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say um, it's uh, it's definitely a populist state, working class state. I, th- I think it, it's more, uh, it's going to become more right-wing populist. Same mm-hmm. with Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Well... Wisconsin is kind of, um, uh, it can be more like establishment Republican or, again, it's kind of the in-between thing. In-between. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, of course, oh yeah, there's no uh, doubt about it. Uh, Florida, definitely America first with Ron DeSantis in charge and the Florida GOP. Yeah. Florida. That's a good one. I'd I'd say it's more... um, is more populist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there we there we go, folks. In terms of like the state tier list, American populism is becoming uh, an emerging thing now in in uh, red states versus blue states. And of course, you have outside of the U.S. mainland, which is Hawaii and Alaska. In terms of in in terms of the tier level, um, I see Hawaii as more of an establishment. I I haven't heard from any progressives from there, and Alaska, um, again, establishment. I believe again, I don't. I haven't heard of much about America First candidates up in Alaska. Mm, well, I think there's a there's a lady who's trying to primary a, a woman candidate who's trying to primary uh, Lisa Murkowski. I don't remember her name. Oh, so I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right there. I was wrong then. Alaska might emerge as America first. Yeah, um, I mean their governor seems okay. Um, Mike du- Dulvaney, I think is his name. Mike Dulvaney. Dulvaney, yeah. Um, hope I really hope that that candidate will primary Lisa Murkowski because she's she's definitely a rhino. Yeah. No reason to have a moderate Republican in a very red state like Alaska. And for Susan Collins and Ming, it kind of makes sense since her constituents have a kind of center, center, center-ish mm-hmm. opinions. Very much so. Yeah, it's like a lean blue state, so it makes sense why she has to be moderate in Maine. Yes, and I think one of the Republican governors in Maryland, or I forgot, in, or in UK, England state too, Phil, Phil something, not Phil Murphy, another Phil. But in Maryland, of course, is Larry Hogan. Yeah. Oh, and you said for Maine, the former Republican governor? Paul, I think or, it was like Paul LePage. Yeah, Paul LePage. He's okay. running for re-election, I believe. Mm. I'm not sure if he'll win. Um, uh, probably not with the ranked choice voting, but who knows. Mm. Well, there we have it, folks. That just about it covers our... Um, opinions, our, uh, our info about populism in general of both sides emerging and we're gonna see that starting with 2022 and of course 2024 and uh, depending on how President Biden and Vice President Harris is performing in the administration the approval rating and uh, regarding that there is talks of saying that they're polling President Biden's polling at 60% which I highly doubt that no, I, I bear. I see him barely performing over fifty. 
He only got 51% or 52% of the popular vote, so I doubt it's 60. Right. So <laughs> that poll was uh, very biased, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like polling a, a bunch of America First people for President Trump's approval rating back when he was in office. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, approval rating, just in general, is just not really accurate. Because they can go either way. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so anyway, regarding um, populism, the momentum, not just like um, elections, but also just the political momentum overall on uh, cultural and, and amongst other issues, you would see that starting to develop depending on the incumbent's performance right now, starting with federally, the, the, I guess, the establishment Biden and Harris. And uh, and who knows? Um, oh yeah, and it also on the right side, the establishment McDaniel chairwoman. Yeah, I don't know. She's kind of like in between. In between. Yeah. But either way, you're gonna see. My point is, you're gonna see, folks, that the battle of not just Democrats versus Republicans. Politics now have becoming in both parties the battle between the neocons and. The populist, the country, the people first type yeah. of people. Yeah, and you're seeing a shift in more populist movements. Even Charlie Kirk, who uh, I would even say was very pro-capitalist, even to borderline uh, unrestricted capitalism, in my opinion. Even now, he's uh, kind of admitting that corporations can be just as corrupt as government right. if you give them too much power. And uh, you mentioned Charlie Kirk, and they're also like commentators on the left like Ryan Knight this uh this this leftist that this show follows on Twitter but anyway those type of people they're activists commentators of course uh, they have their opinions the first amendment the right to their free speech um but anyway um so anyway they're activists and politicians well anyway people of all walks of life all walks of life wow I can't talk um, you see populism influencing people in all sorts of occupations, and uh, it's becoming a kind of a thing now mm -hmm. in, our, in our way of life. Definitely. So, uh, any final thoughts, Bradley, before I close off this episode? Um, just uh, study up your candidates. Uh, uh, vote for who you think aligns more with your ideas, whether if you would uh, think of yourself more as a establishmentarian or populist right or left do your research on the candidates yes that align with your values and uh in in my opinion um oh yeah uh, my way i want to address first of all everyone that i yes on the show's tweet we did advertise this show tease this show about this episode with the hashtag america first that was before i changed my the title of this episode because I realized I want to address the other populist besides the right-wing populist which is the left-winger side because we can't be too you know biased in one side we have to include the other side too in this conversation yeah yeah cuz like you know we may disagree with the progressives on a lot but we can't deny that they're going up against their establishment wing of their own uh, party just as much as the America First movement is going up against the Republican mm -hmm. Party. And, and by their party, I mean the Democrat Party, of right. course. 
and yes, uh, I is very. I am very much a populist, and I would very much to see someone not John Corner in office. But uh, I also respect my our our mutual friend and I guess a former guest of ours on the show, Mr. Navarus, Darren Navarus. He is very much a Bernie Pratt, of we would say. We would disagree with him, but we respect his perspe- his perspective on uh, taking on the Democrat establishment. Yeah, he of course wants to get people out of office, like freaking um, Schumer and Pelosi type people out. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that concludes this episode, folks. Keep in mind that populism on on both side of the spectrum is becoming a thing so pay attention and get ready to uh, be ready to get involved starting 2022 it's going to be huge in terms of the this this next upcoming election year yeah for sure so that concludes this episode thanks for listening in folks um next week's episode i believe it's about it's about father's day theme for sure and uh, and no offense, Bradley, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to have you on, but you probably will um, if we're going to talk smack since uh, it, the title of the next episode, folks, it's titled, as I quote, My Feud with CCP Dad. <laughs> Again, it's my nickname for my own father because uh, he's very pro uh, Chinese Communist Party and it's becoming unfortunate. It's unfortunate because the Chinese Communist Party has done a lot of... Uh, very unethical things regarding to the Uyghurs in Xinjiang and and as uh, as y'all can y'all heard from the late breakest breaking news right now with uh, the origins of the coronavirus and how the CCP is being kind of uh, suspicious about it in terms of the in terms of like uh, um, um, integrity wise you would say yeah so that anyway we're going off topic but next week it's uh, that episode my feud with my communist dad <laughs> so anyway thanks for listening and uh, take care everyone thanks see y'all later we the people of the United States to form a more perfect union secure the blessing of liberty reestablish the meaning of the constitution 